Uh, my name is James. I'm part of the leadership team here at Hope, and uh, it's a real pleasure to have you join with us this morning. Uh, I just want to take a moment to honour you as a church, as a people, um, as you've started to gather together in small groups and hearing wonderful stories of uh, community reconnecting and in, in person. Uh, and I want to thank you so much for your patience. Um, obviously, we want to be together, but we want to make sure we do it properly. Uh, and you've been so wonderful as a body. And we want to thank you so much for your servant heartedness uh, and for your patience waiting for us to gather together. It's going to be it's going to be so good when we get back together. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for for honouring God, for honouring us as a church and uh, God bless you in that. Uh, I'm going to be sharing with you the next in our summer series, uh, Real Hope is the title. And uh, over the summer, we're exploring the message of hope through different characters in the Bible. Uh, and this morning, I'm gonna be bringing a character called Ruth to you. Uh, and uh, my title for this morning is that hope, there is hope that God has a plan. So Ruth is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And you might not have heard of her. Uh, she's in the Old Testament, based in the Old Testament, and she comes in a timeline just before uh, David, King David. So uh, David is the guy that defeated Goliath and Ruth comes a little bit of time, a little bit ahead of him. Uh, so we're quite far back in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, and uh, this story of Ruth is a beautiful love story. It's a wonderful reminder uh, of how we can place our hope in God and who he is and what he has for us. Okay, so during the time that Ruth is alive, uh, there's a guy called Elimelech and he's married to Naomi and they have two sons and they live in Bethlehem. And there's a great famine and they decide that they're going to move away from Bethlehem and they're going to move to a country, a region uh, called Moab, which is ruled by the Moabites. Um, when they get there, uh, Elimelech, very sadly, he dies, um, but his two sons get married. They get married to uh, two Moabite women and one of which is Ruth. And you might think, oh, that's a bit sad way to start the story, but it's OK because everybody's married and it's all live happily ever after. But unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. Uh, not long after they're married, uh, both um, Naomi's and Elimelech's sons, they both die as well. And so you're left with Naomi, who's a mother-in-law, and these two daughters-in-law, uh, one's called Ruth and one's called Orpah. Uh, and now what you have to understand is in this time, uh, that is, is, is not a good place uh, to be. As a widow and, uh, and, and to be childless was considered to be, uh, a, you know, a social faux pas, it was not okay. It was quite a dangerous place for Naomi to be. She's in a different country away from her family and friends and she's left alone. And all she has are these two daughters-in-law. So she decides that she's going to move back to Bethlehem. She's gonna to return to Bethlehem where her family are. And so she says to her daughters-in-law, she says, guys, um, I'm going to move back to Bethlehem. You stay here with your families uh, because they're Moabite women. So they've got family there. You stay with your families. You find new husbands. You get married. You have children. Thank you so much for all your help. But God bless you. Uh, and, but I'm going to go. And both women, both Orpah and Ruth say, no, 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 we're not. We're not. We're, we're going to stay with you. We're going to look after you. And that's quite a noble thing for them to say, actually. It's not an easy life. And, and Naomi knows this. She knows what she's returning to. She knows she's returning to, to a hardship. And so she says to them, no, no, you honestly, you stay here. Thank you so much. You go, you stay here and I'm going to go. So uh, Orpah at this point goes, okay, well, if that's what you want, then I'm going to stay with my family. And she stays in Moab. But Ruth, Ruth clings to Naomi. And she actually says in 
Ruth chapter one, it says that she says this, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do to, so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Now, a good question to ask at this point is why? Why is Ruth so committed to Naomi? Why is she, why does she want to follow her? Why does she choose to go, why does she choose to go with her? To leave her family behind, so Ruth leaving her family behind uh, and the language that she knows and a culture she understands and to go with Naomi into the unknown, into a new country with a new culture, a new society uh, that does not look approvingly upon uh, widows. Um, it would have been a really, you know, really, it's a really big decision. It's a very powerful moment in the story. Ruth's committing herself to the unknown. She's promising to move to a country that she's never been to. Um, and she chooses to go to Bethlehem with Naomi. And you, the question I suppose I've asked already is why? Why would she do that? What is it that she sees in Naomi? What does she understand from her? And it's what she sees is Naomi's trust in God. Now, Ruth is a Moabite. She's grown up a Moabite. She would have um, grown up following all the Moabite gods. They were very superstitious people. Uh, they made human sacrifices. And what, we, what, you can ex what you can see here is that Ruth has lost trust in the gods, these kind of idols, the many gods that the Moabites had. They didn't deliver on promises. They were harsh. They were, they, they were hopeless. There was nothing there for them. But what she sees in Naomi, what Ruth sees in Naomi and her trust in her God, the, the God of Israel, is she sees hope. And she sees uh, a faith that Naomi has that things will be better with God back in Bethlehem. And so she sticks with her. She chooses in this moment to stay with Naomi, to stay with her. And it's at this moment that Ruth places her trust in God for the first time. What's really important to grasp at this point, what's really important to understand, is that this is the beginning of the story. And so with hindsight, when we read the book of Ruth, we go, oh, that's a lovely story. Isn't it lovely? It's got a happy ending. It does have a happy ending. But at this moment in the story, in Ruth's life, she had absolutely no idea what was going to happen. She had no um, fixed point to say, oh, this, this is bad now, but in a few weeks or in a few months, it will be better. Um, or she, she doesn't know that. She's committing to stay with Naomi. She's placing her trust, her hope, in God with no end in sight. For many of us, the last month have been the most bizarre of our lives. There's been so much unknown. There's been so much uncertainty from one day to the next. Rules come in um, in advance, then they change. There are different expectations. It's really hard to know. And I want to specifically speak to uh, those of you who have been at school over the last few weeks and months. As a teacher, I know firsthand how difficult it's been for students and for children to not be in school, not to be around their friends. If you've been supposed to have been sitting GCSE and A-levels, the last months have been extraordinarily difficult because you were doing exams and then you weren't, and then you were pinning hopes on promised grades and there's it, just so much unknown that you've had to live through and if you're a leaver if, for example if you've been in year six or you've been a GCSE leaver or an A-level leaver 
the, the concept of not being able to say goodbye properly to your friends, to where you've been studying, that, that, that rite of passage of moving on, it, it can feel really difficult. And it can feel hard in these times to think, well, does God have my best interest at heart? But what we see with Ruth, what we see in her story is as she steps into the promise or the hope in hoping in God, is we see it come to fruition. And we'll get onto that a little bit later. Ellen, my wonderful wife, and I have been in Winchester for 10 years this month. And uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. It's been up and down over those over that time. Um, but one thing that we, we know is that God has been faithful to us. Uh, he's been with us when we've been in the, in the deep in the valleys and when we've been high up on the mountaintops. He's been with us all the time. And most recently when we've known that is when we, as a church, when we went multi-site and we committed to uh, going to North. And when we committed to going to North, we, it was just us. It was just us as a family, the, the five of us. And we didn't know what it was going to be like. We didn't know uh, what it was going to look like. We didn't know who would come with us, who wouldn't. And in that moment, uh, we didn't know um, what, almost what we were, what we were letting ourselves in for. But if anything over the last kind of 18 months has taught me is that God is faithful uh, and he has drawn to us some wonderfully faithful people, uh, um, people who've served their absolute socks off, you know, picking up two or three teams at a time, serving two or three times a month, uh, nipping, jumping in when they need to, um, nipping into jobs, getting them done, uh, seeing a need and just filling the gap. And it's been an incredibly powerful time together. We've seen the community uh, grow really close together. We've uh, had visitors come in and see the church and uh, we've built relationships with the school where we're based. And it's been an incredible time. But when we started at the beginning of this journey, we didn't know what it was going to be, look, be like. We didn't know what God was going to do. And, and so it's been the most amazing season for us, stepping out and stepping out into the unknown and seeing God come through on his promises. God lives up to the promises that he makes. There's a great illustration, and I'm sure it's been used many times, but I haven't heard it for a long time, so I'm going to use it this morning. And it's the, the scene from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, this is a little bit of a spoiler, um, but I'm sure you won't mind me telling you. So Indiana Jones gets to a point in the story where he is he gets to a, 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 crev a crevasse and it drops down uh, forever, it feels like. There's, an, there's no end to it. And he has to get from one side... Uh, of this cliff that he's on to the other. And there's, as far as he can see, there's just a drop. And it's too far to jump. He couldn't, he can't make it for a jump. There's no way of climbing across. There's no, um, you know, he's in a hurry. He's got to get to the other side. And what he knows is that if he steps out uh, in faith, then he'll be safe. And it feels a little, he might think that's a bit strange. So what he has to do is he takes this step out and as he places his foot down, what actually appears is this camouflaged bridge. Uh, and it's a very powerful moment in the story. Uh, it's this very po powerful moment of realization. And, uh, and, but until he stepped out, he didn't know that the bridge was there. He didn't know it, was, uh, it, it existed because it was hidden. And so much of that is true with God. We, God calls us to step out. He calls us to, to things and we don't know the answer. We don't know what's going to happen. And as we step out, he's there waiting. The scariest part of any journey is the beginning. The list of unknowns is unimaginably long. 
The devil loves to come in and, and cause fear and anxiety. Uh, and the world paper, papers over these cracks with sayings like, oh, it'll be all right, everything will be all right in the end. Or um, things like, don't worry, be happy. But the thing with these sayings is that there's not actually any sincerity in, in what they mean. There's no real truth behind them. There's no foundation to them. Saying to somebody, oh, it'll be all right in the end. But you don't know that it's going to be all right in the end. What's different for us as Christians is when we place our hope and our faith in the same God that Ruth did, is that we place our hope in a God who's never going to let us down. A God who, who delights in us, whose love for us is greater than anything we could possibly imagine. When God promises something, he will deliver. Our hope is secure in him. Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. No race is ever easy. If you can ask, I'm sure, any athlete, endurance athlete, uh, marathon runners talk about hitting a wall uh, and, um, you know, struggling to go on mentally. They can't, they can't break through. Even when it seems like the odds are stacked against us, we can trust that God, our Father, has our backs. In this passage from Hebrews, we're challenged to run the race that is for us as individuals, set out for us as individuals, not for the person who is sat next to you or sat in front of you on the screen right now. What, we do, what we're challenged to do is to run a race that is specific to us and what we're going through. I can't run your race for you. You can't run somebody else's race for them. What we can do is we can reflect on our races and we can identify others and say, oh, I've, I've actually done that bit before. Let me help you through that. Let me, let me share testimony of what, what's happened to me, my, what God's done for me through that moment. There might even be points, like for example, when we went multi-site, where actually our races align and there are some parts that we run together and that can be really encouraging. But what's important to remember is that every race has a finish. And as Christians, we run this race knowing that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't done already. It's his victory on the cross that ensures that when we race towards, as we're racing towards the finishing line, and eventually as we cross over it, we win. We win. Jesus shares his victory with all those who choose him. John 3.16 says that all who trust in him, that is Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. Take heart, friends, family. We can live lives confident in the knowledge that our victory is secure in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. I feel like I should have this verse tattooed onto my eyelids. God knows me better than I know myself. I need to surrender to him daily, hourly. 
trusting his plan for me is better than what I have for myself. It's when I rest in him that I find peace. By placing my hope in him, I know that he's never going to give me anything that I can't do without him there supporting me. So what happens to Ruth? Ruth's story has a wonderful conclusion. Ruth meets a man called Boaz, who is a wise and prosperous man. Their story is beautifully told in chapters two to four, as both Ruth and Boaz care and respect for each other as they court each other. During this time, culturally, if a husband died, then it would fall to another man within the family to redeem the widow left behind. And in this case, Boaz is Ruth's redeemer. Ruth's faith and hope are rewarded. She marries Boaz and has a son. His name is Obed, and you might not have heard of him, but you've definitely heard of his grandson. His name was King David. Ruth becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. Throughout all that Ruth had been through, she learned that trusting and hoping in God brings redemption, peace and joy. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing as you watch or listen to this, know that God is for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you more than anything else. He could, and his love for you is more than you could possibly imagine. No matter how far away you feel, how disconnected, how broken, how, whether you feel like you're at the start of the journey or whether you're halfway through, whether it's been easy in the last weeks and months or really difficult, it, there's no mountain too tall, there's no gap too wide that God cannot overcome for you and with you. Open your heart to him this morning and he will meet you. Where, he'll meet you where you are because Jesus is the hope that will never let you down. Earlier, I spoke to Chris Taylor, who attends Hope Church. We sat and chatted through some of the things that have affected him over the last few weeks and months during lockdown. Let's hear Chris's story. Chris, thank you so much for, for joining with us. Um, so lockdown hasn't been the easiest time for you. Do you just want to share with us what's been going on? Well, to be honest, it's been quite a roller coaster. Um, if I think back to February, I remember having my annual appraisal uh, and we were talking about promotion. Um, and then in March, uh, some people were let go. And then I, I was safe and I, I went into lockdown thinking I was going to be okay. And I was sitting on my couch with my wife, Jenny, uh, and we had a company announcement and basically said that coronavirus has, has really had an effect on the business. And there's going to be a lot of redundancies. Um, and to cut a long story short, I was on that list. Mm -hmm. So, and I wasn't expecting it. I've been there for seven and a half years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was unexpected. And uh, at that point, you start thinking, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Yeah. And where did you, obviously, when, you, when that happens, there's this, we have, we have to start asking ourselves these questions of, you know, what's going on? God, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. Where were you in, in this journey with God? Where, when that happened, Obviously, you have an instant reaction, but, you know, where was God in this for you? Well, being at home, I mean, I was furloughed, so I was actually off for 13 weeks. It sounds painful just saying it, because mm. that's a long time to be home mm. when you're used to going out to work. But um, I found it an opportunity uh, to 
spend time with God, which I wouldn't normally get. Mm. Um, and so that was, people have a habit, don't they, of, of uh, falling on God when things get difficult. Yeah. It's like a default mechanism, isn't it? And I think that's what happened. Um, you know, the fact that I was going to lose my job and my career and mm. lose friendships at work and all those kind of things was a big thing. And therefore, I, I just started talking to God about it, really. Yeah, yeah. And so or through all this time, obviously, you have the stresses of, you know, potentially losing income and all those other things. Was there, But you've, and you've talked there about, you know, falling on God. Did he catch you? Did you feel like he caught you? Were there little glimpses of moments where you felt God with you? Like how did, well, how did how did he know that? How did you know that he was with you? Okay, so I sat on the couch on something like the Tuesday or the Wednesday, and on the Thursday the phone rang, and somebody offered me a job. Wow. Now I know that not everyone is going to be in that situation, but you can imagine it was a, a big. Uh, just a relief, I suppose. Yeah. Took some of the pressure off. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it was with people that I knew, I trusted them, and I knew the business, etc. So in that respect, it was it was really good. But I am very conscious that not everybody is in that situation. And I should mention, by the way, that having lost my job, that my wife also lost her job at the same time. Wow. So that... that <laughs> and she's now also managed to get herself another job. So... That's been great for our family. Um, how does that, you know, you have the dynamic of, of both of you losing. How did that affect you in terms of, I'm, I know you and I know that actually it's, it's drawn you together in this in God. But could you just share what, what did you go through? What kind of things did you do together? What, how did you work this through together with God? Well, uh, on a practical level, uh, started doing a lot of walking <laughs> I actually walked every day through lockdown uh, and we started walking together and I guess, you know, the opportunity to, to talk about stuff mm. uh, helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and we were just aware of uh, the need for, for God to help us at that time. Mm. Is there something that you would like to encourage people with? Is there, you know, something that's, that's stuck with you that you think if you're in this situation, it's okay, like things are all right? Is there something you could share with with people that would yeah, know, encourage so them? If you're watching this and uh, you don't know where your job is coming from at the moment, um, I've just got a few things to, to, to really try and help you. Um, things that have helped me in my Christian life. So the first thing is that um, God doesn't always speak immediately, mm. but he always speaks eventually. Mm. And so... That's I found that helpful to hang on to. Yeah. Also, um, I think it's really important to say that God sees you right now. Mm. He He sees your circumstances. You're not hidden from Him, and uh, He's got this, and you mm. can trust Him. Mm. And the third thing, which I've found the hardest, but one of the most uh, influential things that anyone ever said. It's a chap called Graham Cook, who's a prophetic guy who used to be based in Southampton. Um, he said um, that timing is more important than time to mm. God. Mm. So we all we have this natural tendency to want release from our circumstances mm. now. Yeah. And that's not always the way that things happen. Mm. 
Um, and so that timing thing is about trusting God that he's got it. And so if you are in that situation, that's, those, those are the things that I would share with you. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing with us. It's an incredibly powerful story and so uplifting and encouraging to hear from you. Thank you to you at home for joining with us and Hope Church Online. It's such a pleasure to have you joining with us. And don't forget, you can connect with us on social media and join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock on YouTube. God bless you.